Who else? Have you ever asked that question? Have you been making a list, an invite? Uh, maybe you're going to go do something at work and you're dialoguing amongst yourselves and you're like, oh, like, who else should we include in this? Who else should we invite? And you get to that point where it's like, there is going to be uh, an an opportunity to bring someone new in, or you're just trying to figure out how do we not only invite someone, but really ensure that they're welcome. And that's what we're looking at during this series, Who Else? And last week we unpacked who is everyone, like who is everyone? And uh, this week we're going to continue We're going to continue in a way that will help us discover the delight in asking ourselves this question, who else? Our inspiration really, uh, where we're launching off for the whole series, is 2 Corinthians 5.15. And it's it's on your fill-in, and it says this, He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. And you look at that and go, man, Jesus paid a big price for everyone to be included, to everyone make the invite, for them, for everyone. And we can't afford to leave people off the guest list any longer. And therefore, really, that's why we're diving in, especially because of maybe a difference, appearance, social class, different hobbies, or maybe there's they have different preferences. I don't know what it is, but what would make you exclude someone is what we're really going after to make us think, oh yeah, I guess I, I probably do that. It's the reality that we make choices, snap judgments, if you would, on people who've been created in the likeness and image of God. And how do we get past that? How do we learn to value everyone for the complete original copy that they are in the likeness and image of God? How do we stir up this appreciation within us? And I believe it's only possible, truly possible, to do it genuinely through a relationship with Jesus. It says in Romans 12.10, it says it this way. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. So love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Take delight. I just wonder if we get the experience to like freeze in that moment of really going outside of ourselves and watching what honor does in the world around us what respect to others does in the world around us. And we actually discover ourselves in an opportunity or moment when we're, we're elevating someone above ourself, and all of a sudden, it's like time freezes and we understand God just did something through me in a simple moment. That's kind of the, the reality of what's being shared here, and it's our big idea today is that we would respect everyone. The challenge, uh, you can read all the way back. I love Psalm 8, 4. It says, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them, yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. 
the psalmist writing there and just going, this is unreal, God. When I look around the room, I see humans, and it's awesome, right? That's the challenge before us, is to have our eyes open to just the difference that can be made in humanity if we truly, truly respect each other and honor one another. Not because of class, charisma, appearance, but we honor one another because we're human. We're living, we're breathing, we're walking, we're thinking, we're talking, and that's cool, and there's something about you I can honor. That's what God is challenging us to do here. I know some super-Christian groups might try to come in and say, open life, you should feel a little guilty. In fact, I have been, been made to feel guilty. They would say something around uh, the context of um, you shouldn't just let people come who are just coming to, like, kick the tires of faith and, and just come to grow as a, a human being and, and one who loves other people. You should really put the put the thumb down on people and make them decide before they exit the building whether they're going to choose to follow Jesus today, right? And maybe you've been in a room like that. People circle around you and they pull out the chair, right? Last week, this chair represented Starbucks, obviously, right? You've sat in one of these. Maybe you've gone to Starbucks and you've done the scoot back and everybody looks at you because it sounds like this. Right? Have you done that? And everybody stares. But we started Open Life, and still our office is at Starbucks, any Starbucks with Wi-Fi and good coffee, uh, any coffee shop, really. But we would sit and, and dream and brainstorm, and when they were throwing these chairs out, I grabbed one. So if you missed that last week, that's the story behind the chair. But maybe you've heard of people going to a church before, and they find themselves before they leave in a chair. Have you heard these stories? Man, if you go to church, they're going to, before you leave, they're really going to put the pressure on. They're going to they're gonna sit you down, and everybody's going to put their hands on you. I've heard stories like that. Like, people are like, I'm not a church person, because I heard what they do. Well, what do, you, what do they do? Well, the chair. What's, what? You know? And they explain these, sounds pretty scary, actually, stories. And uh, that's, that's not our deal, but some would say it should be. Like, Jesus went to the cross, so, man, you got to have a cutoff time for these people to just take advantage of your church and show up without commitment. Like, I don't think Jesus did that, honestly. And when I, when I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John recording what Jesus did in and through his life, I don't see him getting all crazy on people. And yet, the pressure would be there for us to not allow people to come as they are, to learn what it is to love people and serve people, and through that, discovering Jesus at work through them and putting their faith in him. There's no right way to find Jesus. Whatever way you're going is good. So we're not going to sit you in a chair today and circle around you and say chants or whatever. We're going to love you. We're not going to judge you, hopefully, right? That's the goal. And, uh, and love, respect, and honor is what we're being challenged of here in the Scriptures. So you mean you're going to just let people come and hear the gospel? I've been asked that. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's like the goal, 
right? Just to share the good news of Jesus as Lord. When, when will you confront them as a pastor if they've got, like, stuff in their life that needs dealt with? I was like, well, now this is literally, I have been asked this. I want to go to a church where the people who are serving have no sin. Seriously. Like, that has been, a, that's a quote. And I, I'm just going, that doesn't, that doesn't exist. And if somebody says it does, there's a passage in the Bible that says that sin that they say there's no sin. Like, seriously. It's so crazy to think. So I think what we need to realize is what 1 Peter 2.17 says. And that's that we can respect everyone. The challenge by Peter is respect everyone. I love the family of believers. Fear God. Respect the king. How are you doing at giving respect to others? I think it's easy to give respect to those in authority over you, but think of everyone else. How are you doing at respecting people? How are people doing at gaining respect for you? How's your life example? Is giving respect genuine for you? Is it a delight? Or do you find yourself forcing that? Do you not want to yield to traffic and let the next person in? Are you just going to cut them off and tell them they're number one, right? This is how you do that. By the way, it's, don't get the, okay, anyway. Um, you know, you look at that and just go, this is the challenge here. Honor and respect in Scripture is very clear. It adds value to people. And our role in humanity, in the world, is to add value to those around us. We get the chance to add value to people. When you serve someone, when you, when you serve them, you elevate them, and it adds value to them. That's honor. That's what respect is. And the greatest value one could ever give is to lay their life down for someone else. That's what Jesus said in John 15. Verse 13, he said, There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And then he proceeded to do that. Jesus laid down his life for you and me, for humans, for people, all people, everyone, to be able to hear it. And if we disrespect others, if we do the opposite of honor and respect, then we nullify the cross. We're saying, you didn't really need to do that, Jesus. That's painful to consider. If we live in a way that's disrespectful, we take for granted the price Jesus paid on the cross for whoever else should be invited into his story. Man, I don't want to be that person. You're not just showing honor to other people, to all people, to everyone. You're showing gratitude for the cross when you serve others, when you love others, when you respect others. So when we respect others, we honor those around us, we add value to them, and we also show God that we're incredibly thankful for making himself like us so that we could find him. So here's some thoughts today, three simple thoughts. How do you live a life that respects everyone, that respects all people? And the first one is you have to humble yourself. 
you have to humble yourself. First Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. So, in the Bible, we see example after example of taking ourselves lower so that we can help others become higher. Humble. Humility. Who brags about you? I think it's a good way to just kind of, are you bragging about you? Or are you allowing that honor, that elevation to come through others? Yeah, sure, maybe they're even influenced by God to, to elevate you. And therefore, God's directly giving you honor through people. But what would it look like if we're so self-aware that we start to consider ourselves more humbly so that we can make a greater impact at elevating others around us? One of the worst things we could do, one of the most disrespectful practices around is to tear others down and elevate ourselves. It's incredibly destructive because we're put on the planet to add value to others. And so when we start countering the whole system that God like put in place to love one another and to elevate that as the most important thing in our life, then wow, we start to feel broken. It doesn't even feel good to, to be honored that way, to like fight our way there. But if we serve our way there, oftentimes when we're tearing others down, it looks like judgment. It could be as simple as a glance, a look, or there's like a bad PR case this week for Starbucks. It could be like arresting people in your store while they're waiting for somebody else to get coffee just because of the color of their skin. It's not the goal. <laughs> We're supposed to love people and elevate them. What if we just consider ourselves more humbly and let the Holy Spirit lead us to... It, it says it this way in, in Philippians. I love Philippians 2. You could read the whole thing, but verses 1 through 4 sum it up. It says, if there's any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in his spirit, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. It's hard to... Elevate others when you're trying to impress them. And I think that's a challenge in our world as we're trying to scratch our way to the top and we eventually, maybe we get there at the price of others. And that hurts. It hurts people along the way. That drive that's encouraged. I think if we're going to take a first step here in the process of being humble, the key is in that passage. It simply says... Take an interest in others. Take an interest in others. Lift up your eyes. We challenged you to connect eyes with others a couple weeks ago, maybe last week, I'm forgetting, and uh, to look people in the eye and to, 
to, to just be able to encourage people to maybe learn a name, but to not allow our world to be this. And start to notice those around you so that there's nobody invisible. Well, what would it look like if we overcame what we've been taught when we were little and began to do that? Began to just add value to people by noticing them, taking interest in them. We were told, I, I caught myself saying it this week, actually, to my son, and I was like, oh, my word, we did that to people. We did that to ourselves. I said, don't stare. And then I thought, oh, my goodness, we're trying to teach people to, to connect eyes with others, but yet through childhood we're saying, don't stare, don't stare, don't stare. Well, yeah, we still shouldn't stare, but goodness, we can look at people. We can notice people because we're walking past people and they feel invisible at times. What if we would be a people that just took notice? Yeah, we're not staring, but we value others. That brings honor. That brings respect. We can't wait for the government to love people for us. I'm not getting political. I just feel that the grief that comes when, I, when people think they can legislate love, legislate uh, care for others, to fill gaps where love should be leading the way. It grieves me to, to think, well, I know it says it throughout the context of the Bible, but instead of us doing it as followers of Jesus, we'll let the, the state handle the orphans. Maybe if we collect a little more money, we can solve it. No, we've got to raise our hands and say, I'm in. I'm going to help this. The state can, can take care of homeless. The city can handle homelessness. We'll, we'll hire for half a million dollars a couple people to figure out the solution. No, come on, right? Why don't we love people around us? Why don't we invest our lives in people? They can provide for their medical needs. Maybe there's... A, a truth there, but boy, we just, if we could just start to care for one another, I think we could make a breakthrough. What would it look like if we all jumped in and did what Scripture challenges us to do and did life with one another? And we just began to be a part of groups, not just on Sunday, a big group, but small groups. And we began to discover each other's needs. And we began to be able to come alongside people when they needed help in a very authentic, genuine way. What would that do if we just humble ourselves and think of others and their needs? Really, we need to know one another to do that. More on that in a second. But I see Jesus coming to heal those who needed health. I see Jesus coming to serve those who are being forgotten by the world around them and not just saying, they'll handle it. He was like, Let's make a difference right here, right now. If you're following me, we're going to be active. The Son of God took every human very seriously. He took on the very nature of humanity himself, being born of a virgin, and the Son of God living a human life in order to experience all that we experience on this earth and serve people in demonstration of the way we can serve people. And he did it in complete humility. That's challenging. If we want to respect everyone, we must also realize that genuine honor begins with love. 
I've said it a few times, but when you read the passages, even go back to Romans 12.10, it says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Honor without love is disingenuous. Honor, just to check off the box of honor, feels fake, doesn't it? It's kind of like, hmm, I know they tried, but they really didn't mean it. Can we be genuine? Can we take on that genuine love in our community and just unconditionally give of ourselves for others? That's the challenge that we're getting in Scripture here. We can attempt to humble ourselves and serve the least of these around us in the world. But if we try to do it in our own strength, I feel we're going to come short. I think the elevating action of love, the love that lifts others around it, us, takes on new meaning and depth out of a growing relationship with Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit in us that allows us to see past what our natural flesh just can't see past. We naturally judge people, snap judge people on their outward appearance. It's, it's street smart, but a curse, right? Because we do. We, we protect ourselves. We've become guarded. Again, which is why a lot of people do this. If I don't make eye contact, I'll be safe, right? What? But Jesus is saying, lift up your eyes. What do I do? You know, we just, we're so torn each direction. What if we would open our hearts to people? I think it's first we got to open our hearts to Jesus so that he can inspire us how to open our hearts to others in a way that is completely genuine. I don't know why we live in such a judgmental, surfacey world. Maybe it's because there's more of the world than there are followers of Jesus. But the challenge is for us to be a light by the way we love people around us. We will be known by our love. And I remember the first lunch I had following starting Open Life. We had a coach that helped us. We went to these church launching things and had a coach named Trinity Jordan that was kind of guiding us how to do church. He had started some churches in Utah and was guiding us how to do it here. And so we're following all the things. We launch Open Life, and, and it's, he flies into town, and he's seeing Open Life, and we find ourselves at Trappers. You know, that's, Jesus would go to Trappers. He caught fish. Or he had fishermen. You know, so he would go to Trappers. We're at Trappers, and uh, we're, we're dialoguing one-on-one, and he's just like, what's the thing that shocked you the most starting this church for people in Bonnie Lake? And... Shocker, but I remember tearing up (laughs) as I was trying to share with him. The only thing I could put into words is just how much I love the people here in the community. Not just the people who showed up at Regal Theater where we initially started Open Life. Like, the community. How much I love serving. How much I love just giving to the community around us. Like seeing people walk down the street and instead of wanting to make fun of them or point out what's wrong with them, like being moved by their story. Seeing brokenness and being mournful for the brokenness. Even 
things like driving down, and I've shared this before. If you've been around, you're like, yeah, I've heard this, Thad. New story, please. Next week, I'm going to fill out a comment card. You know, uh, but it's like, um, yeah, I'd like some new stories from the guy who talks. Uh, that'd be awesome. But just the reality of driving through downtown Buckley can make me go, Lord, touch this place. Because he said he put us here to help reestablish the desolate places. So I'm like, God, inspire people to, to do something here, right? What can I do, Lord, to help people be inspired to do something here? It's just that kind of, like, heart. It's being grieved over churches that closed. It's being driving through South Prairie and seeing a, a church that's all condemned there and just going, this drives me nuts. Not just that I'm driving 25 miles per hour at the time, but, you know, the church. I don't know, I think that's what God's speaking about when he's saying we need to have a genuine love for people. And that genuine love comes across as honor. Maybe it's inviting somebody into your home that's never been there before. And you're honored to host them. You know, honestly, it's like what people should feel when they show up and, and you're serving as a, a greeter or a kid's check-in. Like you're that extension of love, and no matter who walks through those doors, genuine love for them and welcome. And it comes across as a smile, and it feels real. That's why people say, man, it's so welcoming at Open Life. Yeah, that's the, not just because we have four banners that say welcome. That's maybe part of it. But that's just the, it's that it comes from all of us, not just those wearing a lanyard that says, how can I help? That's the goal, is maybe it's those that are serving and, and kids have that, that heart and you sense that. They're, they're not here just to do a, a chore. They're here to invest into you by giving you 70 minutes of respite, right? <laughs> but it's like to pour into your kids' lives so that they grow as humans in the world around them. That's the challenge. Like, how do we express this love? So we got to dwell on that. we got to be bothered by it. Man, how am I doing at this? How's this really going for me? And if it's okay to, to challenge you, I think the way we discover true life-on-life life love, it's tough to do it in a room like this but it's way easier to do it in a group. We have small groups for a reason. I know it's not convenient for everybody's schedule to figure out how to find themselves in a small group again doing something else with their faith during the course of the week that's people coming into a room, but I just got to challenge you. Life is different when you do life with other people in a good way. Just natural things take place, whether you need a meal because you're taking in a new kid for a foster care, or whether you're having a baby and people are surrounding you with, with gifts, or whether it's you're having a time of trial and you need a car and somebody can loan you one. I, so whatever it looks like, group life is way easier place to honor one another and love one another and serve one another than a large group. It feels very organizational when you do that here. It feels very personal when it's done in a circle of 10 or 20 people. 
I would just challenge you to find a way to clear up your schedule for eight weeks and experience that. You might not be able to make it every week, but just a challenge, just a thought. There's opportunity there for you to love one another. And finally, only after humility and love can you honor through people's faults. Thought three, honor through people's faults. Ephesians 4, 2, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. There it is again, right? (laughs) You can't do it without love. But we need to make allowance for each other's faults, not just try to clean everybody up before we serve them, love them, honor them, respect them. Perfection is not God's desire for respect and honor. Availability is what God wants, right? He's just looking for someone who will say, here I am, Lord. Help me overlook the offenses of the world around me and be one who loves others. With the lens Jesus' heart exemplifies through the Gospels, he looks past the faults. Like he goes into some strange places and touches some crazy lives in ways that I currently do not have the boldness to do. I I just look at that and go, what an example and challenge to follow. But I believe it's because of the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus has the same Holy Spirit in him that we have in us as we have chosen to say yes to Jesus, if we follow Jesus. So that same strength, inner strength, inner vision, if you would, to give us that love, without love, we might feel we're being naive to go into scenarios where people need love. Without love, we might feel we're enabling someone to just unconditionally honor and respect them. Without love, we might feel like we're compromising our values to love others. Without love, we might be too firm and authoritative without considering or listening to others. Might just go too fast. Might not look for the right moment. Without humility, we would demand someone be at our level of maturity of faith before we respect them. That's not, that's not a thing. People should belong before they become. Without humility, we would demand people earn their way But Jesus doesn't make us earn his love. He freely gives his love. It's ours to receive it. It's a challenge. It's a challenge to find this moment of delight in the culture we live in. To see past people's faults and open the door for them anyway. To buy a coffee for them anyway. To say thank you anyway. I don't know what it looks like, what honor looks like, what respect looks like, but the challenge today, the action point is find delight in honoring someone this week. And honestly, what's in my mind is one of those moments where like professional sports have all the cameras around the stadium and and it's one of those moments where everything freezes and, and you could do this like 360 degree view of the moment of serving people, you know, oh, that's the moment I open the door. You freeze and you have this like out-of-body 360-degree moment that shows you the delight 
in an act of respect towards someone else. I literally am praying for that this week in your life. And it could be as simple as letting somebody come into traffic in front of you. No, that. Come on. Not in Seattle. I'll never get there if I do that on 167. I'll just park. But it's true. There's got to be a way to respect and honor and serve those around, to consider ourselves. Again, I'm going to read it one more time because I want to drill it in. Romans 12, 10. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. This thing called honor and serving and loving is addicting. So get ready. And I'm going to pray for you right now that this week is not just one opportunity to give honor or respect to others that maybe you just would not naturally give, but multiple opportunities. And there are those moments of pause. And it makes this one of the most delightful weeks of your life because you humble yourself and you think of others and you take notice of others. So, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the challenge you give us in Scripture to do things way outside of ourselves. And I know you're going to put each of us in this room in a scenario where we need your strength to see who else we can respect, to see who else we can honor. Who's going to have the honor of sitting in that moment, being in that that moment with us when we can just serve unconditionally someone in this community, be it a neighbor, coworker, someone we don't even know, someone that challenges us to love. I don't know who it is, but will you let us see that moment this week as a, as a divine pause in our life? And may we see the delight in putting others before ourselves and taking interest in others. And may it expand our capacity to love. And Lord, I know that it's easy for me to say, someone who's been in a relationship with you for years and and trying to, to discover how to genuinely show affection to the world around me. But Lord, I know some in here are still in that season where they're just trying to grow as a human being, as a person, and that's okay here. To figure you out before they make a decision to follow you. But Lord, I would be amiss if I didn't give people a chance to respond to that love today and invite you into their life. So Lord, if there's someone here today who's not yet made a decision to follow Jesus, they've never ticked that that box on a connect card or, or made that decision to pray a prayer to say, Jesus, come into my life. I want that inner strength Thad spoke of today. That Lord, they would simply pray this prayer with me right now saying, Jesus, come into my life. I choose to follow you. And that Lord in this week and in the coming weeks, growth would begin to take place in those individuals' lives. May they discover not only how much you love them, but may they experience that delight as they are able to begin to love others. You're not looking for us to love perfect people or be perfect people, but be available people to make a difference in this community around us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.